your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 691 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And the Rangers coming off of what can only be described as a very disappointing performance on home ice against the San Jose Sharks. They lose to the previously uh, winless Sharks. They were 0-5 coming into this game. The Rangers lose to them 3-2 in overtime. And we're going to get into, you know, all the reasons why. We're going to talk about the defensive lapses that were happening for the Rangers pretty much all night, uh, especially in the third period. And don't worry, we'll get to that third period, as well as the uh, completely disastrous overtime period, brief though it may have been. Uh, we did get some strong performances, I thought, from Philip Heedle and Vincent Trocek. Besides that, and Igor, I guess you could throw Igor in there too. Besides that, though, I don't think any of the Rangers really had their A game in this one. And we're also going to talk about the news uh, that Dryden Hunt was claimed off of waivers by the Colorado Avalanche. So he joins uh, Alex Georgiev out west. But, you know, just some general thoughts on this one first. You know, I I talked about earlier this season that when I say Ranger hockey, you guys know what that means. It means, you know, strong defensive play. It means great goaltending. It means being at your best in the third period. It means very good special teams play and a whole lot of other things too, but that's kind of uh, the main main points as far as uh, Ranger hockey is concerned. We didn't get any of that in this game last night. We're used to seeing special teams dominance from this New York Ranger team. We didn't get it. The Sharks were one for three on the power play. The Rangers were 0 for five when they had the man advantage. And The Rangers had three power plays in the first 10 minutes of this game. That included a very brief five-on-three advantage, like about 12 or 13 seconds, whatever it was. The Rangers could not cash in. And even more uh, discouraging than the simple fact that, you know, they went over five. I thought every power play on this night got worse and worse and worse. Every power play that the Rangers got was worse than the preceding power play. Uh, The first couple of power plays that the Rangers had, I I thought they actually had some good looks and some good chances. Uh, A couple of times, you know, just didn't get the puck luck. Or maybe uh, Reimer, you know, he made a couple of really nice saves. There was a save that he made on Vincent Trotrek that was a highway robbery while the Rangers had the man advantage. But, you know, I mentioned puck luck just a second ago. The Rangers didn't do anything to deserve any puck luck in this game. And yeah, they hit the post a couple of times. I I think Truba hit the post once. Kreider rang a shot off the crossbar. So... The brakes weren't on their side, but they did not do anything to earn the brakes, and I'm going to get into the reasons why in just a second, but they didn't get the job done on the power play or the penalty kill either. I mean, they gave up the one power play goal, and whereas we're used to the Rangers being at their absolute best when it's crunch time and specifically in the third period, Rangers were a phenomenal third period team last year. They were absolutely terrible in the third period in this game, getting outshot 16-2 to and that pretty much tells the story. I mean, we'll get into some more specifics as well, but uh, just a disaster of a third period and somehow an even worse overtime period, uh, brief though it may have been. And the other point that I want to make here, you know, because we're going to get into the defensive lapses. I saw a lot of people saying that, you know, well, the Rangers were good for the first two periods and then it was the third period where they just fell apart. Yeah, the third period was definitely their worst. 
I didn't really like the Rangers' second period, even though they outshot them by a wide margin, even though the Rangers scored a couple of goals in the second period, I didn't like their second period. And the reason I didn't is there were just too many defensive lapses and too many just completely out of nowhere, great A scoring chances for the San Jose Sharks, uh, where, you know, Igor Shesterkin had to come up big and bail them out. The Ranger defensemen uh, were not good at all in this game. Everybody just seemed to step slow. Everybody just seemed uh, not quite... Uh, alert in this game or not as alert as they usually are. I don't know what was going on here, but there were too many times in this game where the Sharks would get a chance, somebody would just get behind the defenseman just completely out of nowhere. And I'm not even talking about like their best players like Couture or uh, or Meyer or anybody like that. I'm talking just like random bottom six forwards who are not exactly offensive juggernauts. And I've got some examples here to kind of back up what I'm saying here. You know, again, as far as shots on goal, the Rangers did a nice job in the first two periods. I think the Sharks had about 11 or 12 shots on goal in the first 40 minutes of this game. But the shots that they did get, these were scoring opportunities that just developed completely out of nowhere. And we could start with the two goals that the Sharks scored in regulation. The first goal for the Sharks came on the power play. So I can't really say that this one came out of nowhere. I mean, they had the man advantage, right? Um, but Couture scores a power play goal. The Rangers were just out of position uh, in the seconds leading up to this goal that was scored by Couture. You had Kreider and Mika. They were like right next to each other for way too much time on this uh, on this power play for the Sharks here. And that's obviously not good. Uh, you don't want your penalty killers, you know, kind of converging on each other. Um, so you get a situation where Carlson takes a shot from you know just inside the blue line. The save is made by Igor. And then the puck bounces to the center of the ice to Couture, and he buries it. And, you know, Mika and Kreider did not look good on this penalty kill. And you had Fox and Lindgren out there too, and they couldn't get to the rebound in time. I mean, it kind of was a lousy deflection for the Rangers. It did kind of go right to Couture, but still, I didn't think the Rangers looked sharp here. Nobody uh, really reacted when the puck was laying there, and Couture's got the puck in the slot, and he shoots and scores. The second goal was the really bad one, as, as far as the two uh, regulation goals that the Sharks scored. We'll get to the overtime goal in just a second. But uh, Simic scores, and... You know, this whole thing was was uh, set up by a turnover by the Rangers. Fox was receiving a pass, an outlet pass, out of the Rangers zone. It deflects off of his skate and uh, goes into the neutral zone. Lindblom gets it. He passes to Nieto back into the zone. He leads Nieto back into the zone on the other side of the ice, the right side of the ice. Uh, Nieto then spins away from Braden Schneider. You know, Schneider can't lay a finger on him. Uh, Ryan Carpenter was also there. He can't make a play on the puck either. And then you get a short pass from Nieto to Simic. Simic goes to the net. You've got Simic, you know, going around VZ like he's not even there. You've got him, you know, spinning away. You know, Brandon Schneider could have still possibly made a play, was not able to do so. And then you've got uh, Adam Fox going down to the ice to try to, uh, to to block the shot, I guess. But he couldn't get there in time, and the goal is scored. And just a classic case of getting outworked. I think that's what this was on this play. You know, the Rangers uh, had some good defensive forwards out there. Uh, Fox and um, and Schneider were out there. Must have been a, a partial line change of some sort. But, um, yeah, they just couldn't stop him. And, I mean, this is a fourth-liner, Simic, scoring a goal here, or a fourth-line caliber player, at least. So, uh, not good. That tied the game for the Sharks. Nobody on the Rangers... Looked good on this play that was on the ice. Even Igor, I mean, it was a stoppable shot. I, I would still argue he got hung out to dry, but we're used to seeing Igor Shosturkin do the impossible. So uh, that was not good there, uh, like I said, for any player that was on the ice for the Rangers in that sequence. But beyond the two goals, there were just, as I was talking about earlier, and I'm going to list them now, just way too many completely 
just out of the blue, high quality, high danger scoring opportunities for the Sharks. Uh, the second period, this is what I was talking about. I didn't think the second period was good for the Rangers. I know I'm kind of in the minority there. Didn't think they played well in the second period, despite them scoring two goals. I uh, get a situation here where Zach Jones, he gained the blue line for the Rangers and kind of stopped. And he was about to, you know, make a centering pass to somebody. And he kind of got caught in between. He was about to pass. And then it's almost like he decided that he did not want to pass. But by then, it was too late. He just lost control of the puck. It went right to the Sharks, an easy turnover. And then just after this, you've got Limbaum uh, getting a breakaway, and Igor Shesterkin has to make the save. Uh, Truba was a little late getting back here on defense, and uh, Keandre Miller just never saw Limbaum, I don't think, or he would have gone to him. Granny was on the other side of the ice, but Miller had nothing else to do on this play other than pick up Limbaum, and he did not do it. And uh, Igor tasked with making the save, which he did, but then... You've got another play in the second period. Uh, Nieto gets behind Braden Scheider and Zach Jones. Igor Shesterkin has to come away with a mask save. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, it's Matt Nieto. And I mean, no disrespect. You know, Nieto's had a nice career for himself. This is his second stint with the Sharks. So obviously they must like him. And he's been in the league for about a decade. Not exactly an offensive juggernaut. Not exactly somebody that should be sneaking behind the defense and, and you know, going around you and getting this grade A scoring opportunity as he did here. And then the third period, I mean, Anybody who watches this game, you guys don't need me to tell you. It was a disaster. Uh, Sturm gets behind Jones and Fox. They were on the ice at the same time. Igor has to make a sprawling save there. Uh, you've got Nick Bonino getting behind Fox and Lindgren at the end of a long shift for the two of them. Uh, Igor has to stop Bonino. He was one-on-one -on -one with Bonino on that play. Then he had a play where uh, Jimmy Vesey failed to clear the zone. Uh, Lawrence ended up getting a good chance. Igor uh, bails out the Rangers there as well. So, you know, again, these these guys that I'm mentioning here, they're not exactly offensive juggernauts, and they're creating these grade-A scoring opportunities because, A, the Rangers are having defensive lapses, and, B, the Sharks are just outworking the Rangers, and that was kind of a theme in this game. You know, the Rangers beat the Ducks in their previous game, 6-4, to four, and we talked about how, you know, that was a classic case of the Rangers playing just as well as they needed to and not as well as they could, and they did it again in this game here tonight, and they got burned for it. You know, they, they fell behind early. Um, despite a good first period, they were behind. They come back and get the lead, and again, they just were not sharp enough. And as I mentioned with J.D. Young, you know, he warned us about a couple of things. He warned us about uh, the Sharks' fourth line, which has been very good for them this season, arguably uh, their best line, and they were very good in this game. He warned us that the Sharks' penalty kill had uh, really been bringing it so far this season. And the one thing that I mentioned talking to J.D., and it's the reason why I was a little bit wary about this game, is that sooner or later, your pride is on the line. The Sharks have started this season 0-5, and sooner or later, you're going to get just an A-plus effort from a team like that. They're going to empty the tank and do everything they can to get the win. And that's what the Sharks did in this game. And the Rangers, for one reason or another, were not ready for it. I don't know if they just thought this would be an easy win. Hey, they're 0-5. Uh, you know, they're, they're not very good. They don't have, you know, the depth that we have, whatever it might be. Or maybe it was just an off night for the Rangers. I don't know. But it doesn't work in the NHL. You know, you got to bring it every single night, no matter who you're playing and where you're playing and all that good stuff. So very, very frustrating uh, loss for the New York Rangers, to be sure. A uh, game that they very easily could have won. They did not win. And now they're 3-2 and two instead of 4-1. and one. And 4-1 and one just sounds infinitely better than 3-2. and two. It's not time to panic or anything like that, but there's no sugarcoating it. Very disappointing loss for the New York Rangers. And in just a second, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the disaster that was the overtime period for the New York Rangers. I also want to give some props to both Philip Hedl and Vincent Trocek. I thought by far the best two Rangers skaters on the ice in this game. We're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. But first, I just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. 
Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the NHL, MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day, we are free and available on all platforms. And as I discussed just a second ago, I wanted to really break down this overtime period. I mean, it only lasted 49 seconds, but it was terrible. And you guys know what I'm talking about. But you know, the Rangers start with Trocek, Fox, and Panarin. I don't really have any issues there. I mean, Panarin, you know, he scored a goal in this game, a beautiful give-and-go goal with, uh, with Adam Fox. And he is your best player, and you figure three on three overtime. You know he's gonna be able to take advantage of the real estate out there. Um, but you know I, I would have liked to have seen Hedl get a chance because I just thought he was fantastic in this game. But uh, they start with Trocheck, Panarin, and Fox. I can't really argue with that. But Fox, you know the Rangers win the faceoff. Trocheck wins the faceoff. Fox has it back in the Rangers' zone. Just a terrible giveaway. I don't know what Adam Fox is doing in this game. You know I, I'm usually very very. Uh, generous in my praise of Adam Fox, as well I should be. The guy's an absolutely elite defenseman in this league. Uh, he did not have his A game or even his B game in this uh, matchup against the Sharks here, but he had just a terrible giveaway. Uh, basically just fell down, gave the puck away, uh, turns it over. Meyer gets a chance, and Igor, uh, with just an awesome point-blank stop, he freezes the puck. So now uh, you've got a face-off forthcoming in your own zone, and the Rangers leave Panarin and Trocek out there, but they take Fox off the ice and put Truba in. Uh, the Sharks win the faceoff. Puck goes to uh, Carlson. Carlson to Meyer. Meyer's in front. Uh, passes to uh, Carlson. Or excuse me. Meyer received the pass from Carlson in front of the net. And he scores. Uh, Carlson on this play danced around everybody on the ice for the Rangers. He, he was weaving around Panarin. Weaving around Trocek. Uh, it looked like he actually got tripped to the ice by Truba. Nothing was called. But, you know, this happens. And Igor's following Carlson. And Carlson's able to basically from the ice pass back in front and uh, the goal is scored. And, and you know, just just what a disaster that was. Excuse me, it was Meyer in front to Carlson. I keep uh, interchanging the two of them. But uh, bottom line, you know, they wanted this more than the Rangers did. Everybody on the ice for the Rangers. I mean, there wasn't much Igor could do. Everybody else did not look good on this play. Uh, this overtime period was 49 seconds of just pure garbage. Let's call it like it is. I'm usually not this harsh on the Rangers. I don't know what they were doing here. It was it was a complete disaster. And, you know, it's funny because the third period, you know, the time's ticking away and you're getting down to like six or seven minutes left and the Rangers are just being dominated by the Sharks in the third period. And as I'm watching this, the game's tied and I find myself sitting there thinking like, you know what? I hope this game goes to overtime because the Rangers are really back on their heels right now. And I don't know that they're going to win this game in regulation. If it goes to overtime, at least you know you've got the one point and... You know, now you're playing three-on-three instead of five-on-five. It's basically a different sport when it's three-on-three. Maybe the Rangers can just kind of regroup, hit the reset button, take advantage of the skill that they have, and uh, find a way to win this game. But the overtime was uh, just an absolute nightmare, and uh, the Rangers lose um, three-to-two to to the Sharks in the overtime period. Uh, I did want to, though, uh, heap some praise on Philip Hedl and Vincent Trocek, and also a little bit to Igor as well. I I thought Igor really picked up his defenseman a lot in this game. Uh, Could he have been better maybe, but I mean, other than, 
you know, maybe the second goal that the Sharks scored in this game. I, I don't know there's really a whole lot that he could have done. Uh, but Filipino, I, I thought he was the best skater on the ice for the Rangers. And I wrote that, I swear I wrote that in my notes right before he scored. I get a situation where, we'll go to his goal first. Kreider moves the puck up the boards. And, you know, it, it goes into the neutral zone. The Sharks defenseman is there. He has some issues handling the puck. Uh, so Filipino does a great job recognizing that. And he pressures him. He lifts his stick takes the puck away from him right around the red line, goes in by himself up the uh, left side. Now, there was a defenseman there, and he was kind of closing on Hedl. Uh Panarin was also trailing the play, so Hedl could have possibly passed a Panarin if he so desired. I'm glad he took the shot here, though. You know, the defenseman wasn't really in Hedl's way, and uh, Hedl was feeling it on this night. So by all means, take the shot, and he scores five hole. So a great job there. That tied the game at 1-1. Uh, besides the goal for Hedl, though, I mean, we might as well go into his stats first. Uh, 15 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. That was the fifth most among Ranger forwards, only to Trocek, Kreider, Mika, and Panarin. Uh, Hedl was also a plus one, had three shots on goal, blocked a shot, a minute and 32 seconds on the power play, nine seconds on the PK. But he had a lot of uh, really good moments in this game, possibly could have come close to scoring a couple other times. Uh, there was a play where he was along the boards on the right side and just made a fantastic pass across the ice to Barclay Goodrow, uh, a really nice saucer pass. Goodrow had a chance to score here. Tried to go to the far side of the net and uh, almost scored. But, you know, Reimer was moving hard to his right. And at the last second, kicked out his uh, his left pad. Bit of a skate save there by uh, by Reimer. But a really nice play by Filipito there, you know, setting that whole thing up. And there was also a play in the third period where, you know, the Rangers were about to get called for icing. And Filipito just busted his tail down the ice and uh, negated the icing call. So that was a nice play there as well. And uh, just, you know, had the look of somebody that was going to score every time he was on the ice, uh, did Filipito. And that's a lot more than I can say for basically all of the other players on the New York Rangers in this game, uh, except for this guy, Vincent Trocek. Uh, very impressive that Vincent Trocek, once again, again, keep in mind, he's the new guy on this team. He again led the Rangers forwards with time on the ice, 22 minutes and 20 seconds. I think that tells you about the respect and the uh, trust that he's already gained from his coaching staff and the amount of different ways that they use Vincent Trocek. Great on the power play, great on the PK, PK excuse me, and uh, somebody that I, I think he's going to win over Ranger fans in due time if he hasn't already. You know, he's off to a heck of a start this year. But yeah, 22-20 for Trocek. Only two Ranger defensemen had more time on the ice than Trocek. That would be Fox at 25-14 and Truba at 22-31. Uh, Trocek had a secondary assist on the goal that was scored by Panarin. It was a beautiful give-and-go goal. You know, Panarin centering pass to Fox. Fox back to his left to Panarin. Panarin lets it rip and gave the Rangers a 2-1 to lead at that time. But this whole thing was set up by some strong work uh, in the corner and along the boards by Vincent Trocek. Him, him and his guy were kind of, you know, battling for the puck. Puck eventually came loose, but, you know, Trocek kind of poked it loose. Fox picked it up and, uh, you know, set the whole play in motion, the little give-and-go goal that he had uh, with uh, with Panarin then. But that was a great job by Trocek setting that whole thing up. Trocek had a couple of chances on the power play as well. Uh, there was a situation where he went around a defenseman on a really strong drive to the net, couldn't finish there. Uh, there was also a little bit later in the game on the power play, he got a pass from Mika Zibanejad, absolutely robbed by Reimer. Reimer kind of extended his glove upward and uh, just snagged it, so not much you can do there. Uh, but then later in the game, uh, another really strong drive to the net. This was in the second period by Vincent Trocek, just right up the center of the ice. Uh, some really nifty moves as well, you know, uh, kind of combining power and finesse there, powering his way to the net, but also making some nifty stick handling moves. Uh, could not finish. Uh, Lafreniere had a shot at the rebound that was stopped as well. But another strong game for uh, for Vincent Trocek. To me, Hedl and Trocek 
pretty much the only two skaters. I mean, you guys can let me know if you, if you can think of somebody else. You know, Kako had a decent game, I thought. A couple of scoring chances on a one-timer. Um, good puck possession by Kako in this game. He was okay. Um, besides, really, though, Hedl and Trocek, nobody else really stood out to me in a tremendously positive way in this game uh, for the New York Rangers. Like I said, you guys can let me know if, uh, if you think there was anybody else. Um, so, yeah, in just a second, I figure we'll go ahead and shift our attention to Dryden Hunt. We got to uh, give him uh, his, his moment in the spotlight here and uh, pay our respects a little bit because he's heading to the Colorado Avalanche after being claimed off of waivers by the Avs, and we will do all that in just a second. Okay, so Dryden Hunt, now a member of the Colorado Avalanche. It's kind of unfortunate because I don't think the Rangers wanted to lose him, but they do want to carry 22 guys instead of 23, and part of the reason for that is uh, due to uh, cap space accrual. You know, right now, the Rangers, after Hunt was claimed, they are now up to, I've got the exact number here, they are now up to $960,875 in cap space. They are projected to have basically $4 million right on the dot of deadline cap space uh, when the deadline rolls around. So that will assist them in, you know, bring in one player, maybe two players. You know, you could go for one big-time player, or you can maybe bring in a couple of complimentary pieces. We'll see how the Rangers look to do it. But uh, right now, once again, projected to have about $4 million in cap space at the deadline. Just kind of a necessary evil here. Like I said, I do think the Rangers are probably keeping their fingers crossed that Dryden Hunt would clear waivers and they could just assign him to the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, unfortunate that that did not happen, uh, but good for Dryden Hunt. You know, he gets to join the defending Stanley Cup champions. He's over there with Alex Georgiev. I always thought, you know, if you get traded or in this case, waived and claimed by another team, it's got to be nice to have at least one former teammate, you know, on the team that you're going to. I would think that would help with the transition at least a little bit. Um, but, you know, Dryden Hunt, for what he was, Basically a fourth-line player for the New York Rangers. I thought he did fine. Uh, he technically spent two seasons with the Rangers, although only three games this year. Uh, under the radar signing two off-seasons ago, uh, you know, basically the league minimum, just a little bit more than that, two-year deal for Dryden Hunt. But in his time with the Rangers, 79 games, seven goals, 11 assists, so 18 points in 79 games. He was a minus 11 in that time. Averaged 12 minutes and 9 seconds of ice time per night on 19 block shots and 164 hits. You know, Hunt spent the first three years of his career with the Panthers, went to the Coyotes for one year, and then, as I mentioned, kind of an unheralded, under-the-radar pickup for the New York Rangers. And as I said, you know, for being a fourth-line player, he was fine. Uh, he was somebody that would go out there and play a physical style. He would get into a fight every now and then if the occasion called for it. And, you know, it was never a lack of effort with Dryden Hunt. I just think that, and I've said this all along about Dryden Hunt, his upside is very limited. You know, he kind of is what he is. I know he's still pretty young. I think he's only about 25 or 26 years old, but I just can't see him ever really becoming more than, you know, just a prototypical fourth-line player. If he proves me wrong there, I'll be the first one to, you know, congratulate him because I do like Dryden Hunt. Seemed like he was very well-liked by his teammates. And, you know, he actually got a shot last year. We, we discussed this. Uh, during, you know, last year's, you know, entire regular season run and, you know, even into the playoffs as well. He didn't play on the top six in the playoffs, but um, he, he got some run in the top six with Panarin and with Strom last season. And I always thought he was a little bit miscast in that role. You know, you see Dryden Hunt in the top six and it's kind of like, a, you know, you want somebody a little bit more exciting than that, especially when you've got, you know, guys like Heedle and Lafreniere and Kako not playing in the top six. Um, but, you know, he, he did the best he could. 
It's just that there were too many plays where you you have Fox passing to Strom, Strom passes to Panarin, Panarin passes to Dryden Hunt, and then the play just kind of you know falls apart at that point. And I'm not trying to be mean here. I just think that Dryden Hunt was always kind of miscast as a top sixer. He was fun to root for because this underdog player, somebody that is a fringe, you know, uh, guy to be in your lineup every night as far as, you know, being active or being a healthy scratch. He was a healthy scratch uh, for one game this season. But uh, yeah, it, it just never clicked for me. I never saw Dryan Hunt as a, uh, a top sixer and just didn't really like him being on that Panarin line. Uh, but again, a very hard-nosed player and somebody that would stand up for his teammates. There was an incident last year where uh, Julian Gauthier was hit from behind by Giovanni Smith of the Detroit Red Wings, and Hunt basically jumped him and got into a fight with him. Uh, Hunt did that a couple of times where he would stand up for his teammates. And uh, yeah, you know, I think, again, overall, a guy that was very well-liked, very strong along the boards. And for what he was, a fourth-liner, I thought he did just fine. He was just kind of victim of circumstance here as far as you know, the Rangers needing to waive him. Because if, if you're not going to waive Dryden Hunt, you know, the other options— I mean, I, I guess you could make a case for Jimmy Vesey, but Vesey was here on a PTO. He made the team. If he impressed you enough to make the team, then I don't think you're going to expose him to waivers just, you know, four games into the season. I mean, I guess, you know, Ryan Carpenter, maybe you could put him there, but Carpenter plays center, and I think they like him in that role. They like him as the fourth-line center, as a penalty killer. I don't think you would put Ryan Reeves there. I mean, do you really want Ryan Reeves to be claimed by, like, a division rival? I don't, and I like Ryan Reeves, and I think he should be on this Ranger team. So, again... Dryden Hunt was just kind of the odd man out, uh, as I mentioned, a victim of circumstance. There was, uh, I, I got to at least talk about this a little bit. There was the situation last year in the Eastern Conference Finals where the Rangers decided in Game 6 facing elimination that it would be a good idea to make Capo Caco a healthy scratch and put Dryden Hunt into the lineup. That's not Dryden Hunt's fault. I mean, what's he going to do? Say no to Gallant when he tells him he's going to be out there for Game 6? Probably not, but I can't help but uh, kind of marvel at the situation we're in uh, just you know, four games into the next season. It's five games now, but Hunt was waived four games into the season. So four games into the season, you've got a situation where Capo Caco, after being scratched last year, game six of the Eastern Conference Final, now he's out there night in and night out on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and with Chris Kreider. And four games into the season this year, after Dryden Hunt took Caco's place in game six last year, he is now being waived by the Rangers and picked up by the Colorado Avalanche. So that's quite the turnaround in uh, just a couple of, of games into the next season here after, you know, Hunt was uh, into the lineup in place of Capo Caco in a uh, must-win game in Game 6 in the Eastern Conference Final last year. So kind of interesting to, to think of it that way. Uh, I'll leave you guys, as far as Hunt is concerned, with a quote from Gerard Gallant because we know that uh, Hunt was always kind of a favorite of his. He actually singled out Hunt as somebody that really stood out in training camp this year. Uh, but this is what Gallant had to say about the entire situation. That's part of the business and the game. Obviously, there wasn't a roster spot at the time, and Colorado has had some injuries, and they called him up. Good for Huntsy. He's going to stay in the NHL and get an opportunity there. We're going to miss him. I liked him. He did a good job for us over the last year. Good, solid kid. And I agree. Again, you know, with Dryden Hunt, his upside just really isn't there. You know, it's hard. You never know. You never know. And if he someday blossoms into, like, a legitimate top six player— or top six forward in this league, somebody that can go out there on the top two lines, I'll be the first one to say, that's awesome. That's really cool. You know, he beat the odds. But I just think with Dryden Hunt, he's somebody that's going to be a fourth liner going forward. But, I mean, hey, heck of a landing spot. Same as Alex Georgiev. If you're going to get waived, I mean, Georgiev was traded, but you get what I'm saying here. If you're going to go from one team to another, uh, landing on the defending Stanley Cup champions is not a bad spot to land. And at least, you know, again, same thing with Georgiev. At least he doesn't land on a Ranger division rival roster or anything like that. 
he's out west, and uh, the Rangers don't have to worry about him too much, at least until they're playing him in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> we'll see what happens then. Um, but yeah, look, as far as I'm concerned, all the best to Dryden Hunt. Did a nice job while he was here. Uh, limited upside, as I mentioned, but a very hardworking player and uh, somebody that seemed to be very well liked for his from by his teammates. And so uh, we'll see how much the Rangers miss him. Uh, but yeah, all the best to Dryden Hunt going forward. Uh, the only other things I wanted to mention here before we call it a day here, Jacob Trouba with a very telling quote after this game. Uh, this is what he had to say about the Ranger performance. It's not an offensive free-for-all. We have to play defense too. And I was... Uh, you know, kind of hoping that after the game against Anaheim, that would wake up the Rangers a little bit as far as, you know, defensive effort and having defensive lapses. I mean, the Rangers had a really big lead in that game, gave up a couple of goals in what could be considered garbage time. But again, I, I was really hoping that that would snap the Rangers out of it. Now that the Rangers have lost, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining from this, uh, frankly, bad game for the Rangers, it's that hopefully that's kind of their wake up call that they got to tighten things up defensively. And we'll look and uh, see if they do that as soon as this Sunday, the Rangers will be back in action. Excuse me, not Saturday, it'll be Saturday against uh, the Blue Jackets. They will play them at 5 p.m. Uh, they play host to Columbus, and um, Blue Jackets have won two in a row after an 0-3 start. The only other thing I want to mention here is that, you know, David Quinn was booed, not overwhelmingly, but by those in attendance, you know, there, there were audible boos there when uh, there was a message on the video board uh, thanking him for his time with the Rangers. I don't think there's any reason for that. Look, it didn't work out, and I will be the first one to say, and I said it at the time, you go from David Quinn to Gerard Gallant, I think that's uh, an, a coaching upgrade for the New York Rangers, but I don't think there's any real need to be booing David Quinn. Uh, he was not perfect, for sure, um, but, you know, he was also given a, a very young rebuilding team. I'm not sure that a lot of other coaches would have done a whole lot better, at least in the first two years of Quinn's tenure. Uh, year three, it really fell apart. You had the whole situation with Tony D'Angelo. You had everything that happened with Tom Wilson. Uh, it wasn't good. And, you know, once Gorton and JD were fired, I think the writing was on the wall that Quinn was going to be going to. But I see no reason to boo him. I, I think in some ways he at least got the Rangers pointed in the right direction. And Gallant was the coach to come in and, and you know, take over and uh, get them over the hump, so to speak. But, yeah, I, I didn't like that. I think I didn't think David Quinn needed to be booed there. Um, but, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Rodine and Flip Livingston bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news, analysis, and advice Monday through Friday. Available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts.